Welcome action fans, and thank you for joining us for a brand new year here at All 90s Action, all the time. A new year which will see us shake things up a bit as we are changing format. We will be dropping the season format, instead we will be coming at you every second and fourth Wednesday. Well, you know, because I'm here in New Zealand now, it'll be Wednesday in New Zealand, but it'll probably be, if you're listening in the States, it'll probably, you'll be getting a Tuesday. Uh, we will also have a new theme, as instead of focusing on specific action stars, we will be looking at um, specific films uh, from that are celebrating an anniversary, either their 30th or their 25th. So that's films from 1992 and 1997. Also, each individual month will have its own little theme. For example, this month is January. And I think you can guess which action stars films we will be looking at. It's the two films we'll be looking at this month. So to kick off January, we have Supercop or Police Story 3 Supercop, depending where in the world you are listening to this. That's the two titles you'll probably know this film from. Alongside me to talk about the film, I have two great guests. First off, we have regular contributor, a Ghost Waits director, Adam Stovall. Hi, Adam. If my wife hadn't been arrested by Malaysian police, we wouldn't be in this mess. <laughs> you always Hi, Scott. The best quotes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good times, Adam. It's good times. And we also have a first-time guest in the form of film critic Supremo and the man behind the last 80s newsletter, Mr. Drew McWeeny. Hi, Drew. Hey, thank you for having me, man. I am very excited to be here talking about this movie. Excellent. Uh, so now on to today's film, Supercop, which was released on the 4th of July 1992 in Hong Kong, but was not released in the States until a year later in October 1993. And that was a limited release before it got a broader release in 1996, uh, where we got the Dimension Films a re-edit that was like the, basically on the back of the success of Rumble in the Bronx. It was directed by Stanley Tong, who also directed Rumble in the Bronx and other uh, Jackie Chan films, including First Strike. And it was written by Fibe Ma, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, who also wrote uh, Rumble in the Bronx and, and Mr. Nice Guy, amongst other things. And his co-writer on the film, Lee Wai Yi, um, that's, this is his only writing credit. Critically, it is currently sitting at a 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb, 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, based on 49 reviews, and a 3.5 on Letterboxd. So definitely one of the better rated movies we have covered on the podcast thus far. So, before we get into the movie, as always, I ask my guests about their relationship with the film. So I'll go to you first, Adam. What is your relationship with Supercop? If you have I watched it this morning. You it this morning. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I had never seen it. Uh, I knew Drew was really excited to talk about it on the podcast, and I'm always really excited to talk with Drew. So I said, "Oh, I have. The, I'm always down to watch. You know, stuff I miss somehow, and I love Jackie Chan. It's just one of those weird blind spots. So 
relished the opportunity and thoroughly enjoyed it. Last time we talked, I woke up early to watch Legion and was quite upset about it. Today, I woke up early to watch Supercop and I'm so happy about it. It's a it's a really lovely dynamic. Yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely better this time. <laughs> definitely a better experience yeah i'm i'm, I'm sorry adam I've, I've put you through some things um on, on my other show leprechaun in the hood and uh jason oh, well jason x was I, you enjoyed that that's a fun movie santa sleigh you hated that so like um yes you've, you've this this is the this is a tree to the end you know you've gone through some <laughs> tribulations but <it's... laughs> Yeah. You're a good friend, Adam. <laughs> um, and, it's all uh, it's all worth it. <laughs> Drew, tell us about your relationship with the movie. Um, I uh, I first heard of Jackie Chan when I was uh, working at a video store in the '80s, and some guy came in and asked us if we had Wheels on Meals, and I was like, "Dude, I think you're saying that wrong." And he's like, "Dude, I am not." <laughs> <laughs> and I was. <laughs> and it was like I okay, well I got to research this, and that led me down the path of just figuring out who Jackie Chan was. And there was very little of his stuff that was available domestically. It was all import titles and we had a few things. And so I took the things that we had home and watched them and lost my mind. I couldn't believe what I saw. And I, nobody else I knew knew who Jackie Chan was. I, until I moved to Los Angeles and finally in LA, there was enough of a sort of Hong Kong, um, fan culture and tapes being traded and people that I met at both the theater I worked at, the um, Laserdisc store that I worked at, where I started to see the stuff and the the new art started showing things. And so by the time this movie came out, I was revved up. I was really ready. This was a big deal to me when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that it was Police Story 3, especially after Police Story 2, which is, I think, one of Jackie's early like home run masterpieces of action. Um, so it really was, it was thrilling when it came out. I, when dimension got hold of it, the exciting part was knowing that more people were going to see it. It was also a little bit scary because they were heavy handed as re-editors. And I knew that whatever got to America was going to be a very different version. It's not that bad. I think the American version is, you know, they, they cut out a little bit of talking, a little bit of setup, a little bit of the police business at the beginning a little bit of hard edge stuff, but it's one of those where I'm glad this got the release it did in America. And mm-hmm. when it came out as super cop with the re-edit and everything else, I loved getting the experience of going to a mainstream packed opening weekend and seeing mm-hmm. those stunts play with an audience that had no idea what they were getting into. Mm-hmm. It's one thing when you go to a, a screening and it's all hardcore Hong Kong fans who have tracked this stuff down because they, they know what the Hong Kong, uh, you know, industry does what the stunt industry is there but it's another thing to be sitting in a uh like the cinerama dome and hear people who have never seen that stuff lose their minds um and i do think this has some of the very best stunt work in jackie's whole career yeah some of the stunt work in this movie is incredible like this is going to be one of the it's weird like um i became a jackie chan fan as as a kid I can't remember the first like Jackie Chan film that, that I saw. It might have been Rumble in the Bronx. I, I think it. I, think I it wish was. I'd grown up with him. What a great experience to have him be like a constant sort of cinema influence. Like, 
Well, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. Sco- like, so I was born in 1985, and um, so I think I saw my first um, Jackie Chan film when I was, like, maybe... Because I remember being excited for Russia, so it must have been pre-Russia. So I must have been, like, maybe 11 or something. So it must be, like, 96 wow. or something like that. Um, uh, you know, because I remember being like, oh, Russia, I really want to see Russia. Um, like, um, and, and obviously that was a big kind of, like, big kind of Hollywood breakthrough, even though Rob in the Bronx is kind of his kind of uh, North American breakthrough or, like, um, you know, like more international recognition but yeah so i've kind of grown up with them and like so this is definitely one of the earliest films that i saw and um obviously you know it was difficult in the uk because you know you just uh, grabbed kind of any vhs you can you know like um there there was just there was not a lot of it um so you would just uh, pick up random titles like and um i have like a fondness for some random films in, in, in Jackie Chan's filmography that don't really get a lot of love just because they're like videos I picked up as a kid. Like, uh, for example, I really like Young Master. Because um, I, I... Sure. Yeah, like... Because I think the 20... There's like a 20-minute fight at the end of that movie that I think is amazing. I think it's really one of the best fights I've seen on set. I've watched a lot of martial arts cinema. That I, really, I really think... I really rate it highly. And um, anyway, so on this film, um, I, I think I've always just seen the the Dimension re-edit. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I might have at some point seen the the original film. But like yeah, like you said, I think it's according to IMDb, it's about eight minutes difference of of the film. And like you say, it's a lot of kind of exposition stuff and some of the kind of darker grittier stuff that they kind of throw in I, I was wondering in terms of like what was your initial impression because you were a jackie chan fan uh drew and you'd obviously seen the previous two installments of police story what was your initial impression in the film in terms of like it just being like a different because this is very much like a kind of james bond style adventure which is police story one and two aren't yeah there's there's so little of um you know in in the earlier girlfriends may the may is such a big part of it and all the complications that always come with Jackie having to juggle his personal life is a huge part of police story and police story too. Um, so I love that there's the one sequence in the middle of this film where finally may comes back in and they managed to figure out how to do it with them, them being on vacation at the resort and everything. And that feels like a police story movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of it really doesn't, it feels like a very different film. Um, and I like this. One of the things that, it, it was a real shift in tone. It definitely is a harder movie than the other two police stories, which is weird because they they both get really violent in places, but I think of them as comedies first in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Jackie yeah, did yeah. so much work. There's so much character stuff and so much of Kevin's personal life or uh, his is absurd and played absurd. And that's what I love about Jackie's films is the way he can walk that line and throw both of those tones at you and somehow make the mesh. This film leans way more into the action movie, which may be one of the reasons that it felt like the right crossover is that mix of tone can be really off-putting to an audience that isn't ready for it or hasn't been prepped for it. This film plays much more like a straightforward action film that's got a few comedy sequences in it. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. I, I think it is 
probably the easier sell like kind of crossover wise because yeah i suppose for like for a it's something I don't think about because I've I've watched like I'm a fan of Hong Kong cinema. I'm a fan of like Japanese cinema as well. And um, yes, thinking it from a kind of mainstream audience perspective, the kind of switches in tones that often happen in Hong Kong cinema um, might yeah might not sit well with um, like. It, a, a, I think it's the reason that Indian cinema has never really broken through in the U.S. Probably, is yeah. you have to. You have to teach an audience how to watch something like that because it is so radically different than the way we structure movies and the way movies work here. And if you don't prep them, it, there can just be you can just bounce right off them, like and never and never find your way in. I, I think Hong Kong is easier because Hong Kong cinema, a lot of it is they borrow from Western cinema and then they put it through the blender of Hong Kong sensibilities, and so we kind of recognize what's being reflected at us, even if it's a different mashup or a different tone. Um, but yeah, I think there's an adjustment for some audiences. And I think this movie uh, also taking him out of his regular cast of characters, there's not as much continuity you have to worry about. You don't feel like you're watching a sequel so much because you don't have the other cops, except for that one brief scene where they go to the village and they're posing as the, you know, the mom and the family. But for the most part, you don't have to know anything about the others. And I think that helped, too, in terms of just picking this as the moment to plant the flag and go, okay, we're going to really try to break Jackie in the U.S. Yeah, that that's true. You don't have to be, like, you don't have to know, like, May's backstory or Uncle Bill's backstory or anything like that. You just you just have to, yeah, yeah, kind of, it does feel like a kind of different movie in that way. And how did you feel about Adam as somebody who's never seen it? Or have you seen the police, the first two police stories? No, I have not. Um, Ooh. And you are in for so much yeah, good stuff in the future. You definitely watch yeah. the first two police stories. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of realizing that because I, I saw Rumble in the Bronx in the theater, and I'm realizing that I didn't watch Supercop because the title turned me off. Oh. It's like the same reason. I mean, I'm just not a big cop movie person. Like, sure, you know, I didn't watch Time Cop either. Um, but uh, yeah, like it's kind of a dumb reason, but it's you know. Because uh, I saw Drunken Master and was like, this is really good. Um, no, like, I kind of just forgot it was part of a franchise. Like, it definitely doesn't feel like it is. And uh, and I don't know. Like, I was just really digging the simplicity of it, uh, which it makes sense hearing you guys talk that this was going to be like, okay, let's, let's go ahead and pull him out of this uh, continuum and see if we can break him in the, in, you know, in America. Like, it that makes a lot of sense because it <clears throat> i don't know that i would say it feels western inflected but like um watching it there were definitely moments of just like oh like mission impossible stole this and you know uh another action franchise that i'm blanking on at the moment but there oh bond uh, <laughs> like there's a oh. moment that i definitely was like oh i have seen this used elsewhere <laughs> all three of the police story movies i feel like were catalogs for hollywood action for the next decade and a half where they just went through and they went okay i'm stealing that i'm stealing that you can use yeah. that um i'm definitely stealing that um, <laughs> when you see uh tango and cash and there's the scene where S stallone stands in front of the bus and it stops and the two guys coming out of the top it is psycho hitchcock van zant accurate to the police story shot they're ripping off like it's <laughs> crazy how much they ripped him off so i feel like these movies everybody was watching these movies but they hadn't crossed over 
And the first two, especially, I feel like that's one of the reasons it, it almost feels like that's why Hollywood didn't break Jackie Chan here. It's, it's like, no, don't tell anybody, man. We can uh. just keep ripping everything off. Don't tell anyone. Just, <laughs> just let them be huge in Asia. We'll rip everything off for America. It's great. And, and finally, they, it's with this movie, they, they, and this was, the, I th if I'm not mistaken, this was the first of the dimensions that really got the big push. Well, Rumble in the Bronx, which came after this, was the first that connect, where it yeah. feels like Rumble was the big hit. Yeah. So, like, from what I but read it, about it, yeah. from what I read about it, um, yeah, Rumble was the big hit. But, like, basically, the, the Dimension re-edit came out in 96, the year after Rumble. Like, rum they, they bought it beca because of Rumble. They picked it up oh, okay. after, you know, because it had a limited release in 93, um, like, which right. is okay, obviously yeah. the original cut, but then, and then Rumble hit, and then Dimension picked it up, re-edited it, and um, shot out the, the next again year. Um, and, and then it, this this also became a bit of a hit as well. This was, I, I will never forget sitting in that, the theater when the Dimension one opened and hearing people react to the train scene. Hmm. Oh, yeah, the well, entire train scene start to finish and it's one of the most excited rooms i've ever been in it was like the opening weekend of jurassic park when people saw the t-rex attack just the temperature in the room changed because everybody started to get like physically involved in what they were watching and i just today just showing my girlfriend who's never seen this movie she walked through and i said i have to show you something i show her Michelle's jump onto the train, and she's like what what was that <laughs> was like, right yep right For real I was sitting here in my office when that thing, watching it this morning and that happened. And I just like had a giant smile on my face and clapped like, Oh, good. Good on you. <laughs> um, although, and you know, just before that, obviously, but uh, because when last we talked, we were discussing Legion and we had so many questions about why the hell any filmmaker would filmmake that way. There is yeah. a shot. Yeah, we should probably. There are many. There are Adam, many. Adam, before oh. you, Adam, before you continue, we should probably uh, mention that I don't know how much crossover there is between my my New Horror Express audience and the, right. my all nineties action all the, all the time audience. So we should possibly <laughs> explain that on my other podcast, I run a spinoff series called the Guilty Pleasures Podcast. Um, where we look at horror movies from the 21st century that are kind of known to be kind of guilty pleasures. Um, you all need to start watching, start listening to Guilty Pleasures. I have ah. been through some shit for that podcast, ah. but it's a delight. <laughs> it is a oral delight. Um, no, I. So there's a shot. Uh, he's driving the the the, the convertible, and um, Michelle, you know, like is is thrown from or falls off the truck and he stops oh the car and steps out like just like stops and like sets up as it's stopping and all the cars behind it stop its traffic and it's just framed so perfectly that like it's just one of those things where you're like god i love movies yep <laughs> just yeah oh. um uh i am even though i love jackie's a director i'm really happy that uh, this particular film um, is directed by Stanley Tong. I think their chemistry, I think the combination of the two of them, this has such a great popcorn energy. And I think the way Tong shoots the helicopter stuff at the end mm. is brilliant and terrifying and really sells a stunt in a way that very few people sell stunts. He remembers the key ingredient, which is 
you have to convince the audience that your lead actor is going to die. It's, 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 yeah, it's that is exactly the shot in Mission Impossible Fallout. Yeah. 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 I mean, they just um, completely ripped it straight off. <laughs> terrifying. It's really terrifying. And yeah. uh, and I think there's just something about the way Tong shoots. At, he's got a very elegant sense of how to frame action. Um, I love the sc- the fight at the school when he goes and the cop wants to just fight him and see how he is. Uh, that fight is hilarious. Yes. And yeah. and casual. And it feels kind of ta- like, here we go for a moment. Let's just kind of casually toss off a moment where you want to see Jackie fight. All right, let's have a moment. And it's <laughs> in any other movie, that would be the showstopper. And it's just kind of thrown away right here. That's, to me, great filmmaking. And that's how you know that as this thing accelerates – you're going to get everything you want from it. You're going to get all the big money shots and they're really going to be big money shots. Yeah. And yeah. I think like, um, I, to pick up on your point, to kind of uh, rewind to the start of the movie, um, like you were saying, Drew, that uh, the first two police stories are kind of almost more comedies first and then like action films. And I think the way this movie starts, like before it kind of really cranks up to being like a, a full bore action movie with, with some with some laughs, um, the, it is kind of more comical because like they have that moment in the office where the inspector is like, oh yeah, we should we should go get James Bond, you know, when they were talking about whether to put Kevin on the mission, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then um, the, the 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 inspector who in the dub has an incredibly posh English accent. Um, he and, does. Oh, I, I did think like, did Matt Berry dub this? Like, he sounds kind of Matt Berryish. <laughs> I'm telling you, I now want Matt Berry to redub everything because <laughs> I would watch those cuts and those cuts exclusively. Yeah. yeah. No, that, that would... I hate dubs, but oh no, I, I <laughs> if Matt Berry's doing it, I'm I'm yeah. lining up. Oh, <laughs> uh, dear, dear. But yeah, and I think um I, I think one of the things that is interesting in this movie, uh we have returning cast, clearly, but to me the addition of Michelle Yeoh yeah. is so exciting and does so much for Jackie. He's so good with her, mm-hmm. and she is I love that over the course of his filmography, he's constantly introducing new younger actors. And I think he does a really good job of not dominating the film when he introduces them. He gives them room to actually shine in the movies where he kind of showcases them. And in this movie in particular, he sets the stage for her to just be a movie star. And it is terrific. She's great in this entire film. She's funny. She's stunning. And, oh, my God, beat for beat, she matches him on the action front. She is just as much fun to watch. She's just as crazy. You really get the feeling she's putting herself in danger when she throws herself into these scenes. Uh, There's a beat when she steals the motorcycle that she jumps onto the train. Just the way she jumps onto the motorcycle, I'm like, I want 50 movies with her. (laughs) I want 50 movies with that person because she's so cool. Yeah. And like you say, even on like a, a character level, like right from the you know right from the get go, 
she really leaves an impression. And like, yeah, there are some movies in Jackie Chan's filmography, particularly the kind of Lucky Star movies and stuff like that, that like the sexism in it is problematic. Um, but yeah. like, it, at least in this movie, the sexism, like Michelle Yeoh gets to shut it down immediately every time, you know, and yeah. Um, yeah. really put him in his place. You know, there like, was... when he's like, oh, the the head guard of uh, heads of security of China's like an attractive lady, and she's she just you know like she's just having none of it, and just <laughs> <laughs> is not charmed. Uh, no, th- there was a, there was one specific beat that I particularly enjoyed. Like I guess I really enjoyed the entire experience watching this movie. But yeah. um, when Jackie swings into the window. And then the shutter closes and oh, yeah. Michelle hits it and falls oh, and he opens so the good. thing. And like, this is a metatextual read, but like, I just watched a, a, a really not good movie yesterday that was like, has me thinking about the vanity of movie stars. And it's such a really wonderful distillation of both the humor in Jackie Chan's work that he is always that like he is always simultaneously looking for action beats and humor beats, but then also that like Michelle Yeoh matched him for charisma and star powers like star power right off the bat. So that like it's weird, but like that moment doesn't read the same if it's just some actor. Like yeah. it really you know, but the fact that like you know the the fact that it's another movie star hitting like re- makes the moment so much more than it otherwise would be it, it's a yeah. buddy movie um yeah she oh, yeah, she sure. is an equal she is not his sidekick she is not his subordinate it's a buddy movie and i think that's casting i don't think it was necessarily designed that way i think she just showed up and was her to such an extent that she's not anybody's second place and it does. It makes the movie electric. It's that's one of the reasons I love this film and his filmography. Yeah, I have yeah. a question about that. Okay. So, because there, like, there's the moment in the village which is really delightful when Jackie has no idea what's happening. People are just like, "Hey, it's me, your uncle," uh, you know, <laughs> and she just walk and uh, she's walking up there. Or the pictures there with with the two of them, and they're like, you know, oh, is this your wife? And she walks in like brother, and. If they had gone with wife, then you have them being romantic towards each other and it becomes maybe much more Western. I really don't, I don't yeah. know but what was happening. Um, but like the choice to make them siblings and not have any of that undercurrent. And I mean, they really, they never have, their chemistry is so specific. Um, and again, because yeah, I didn't and I know think about police story. I, even May's yeah. moment of jealousy is so short-lived because the movie can't play that the movie can't play any tension in romantic misunderstanding or, and it's not interested in it. Right. Um, I think even the moment where she massages him, it's all business. And it like <laughs> to when May's trying to see his face, it, yeah. it, there's never a moment that you think there's going to be sparks or I am terrific. How much fun is that to watch compared to the easy version of this? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I th- and I think it's I mean, one of the reasons fair, Drew, that he's... I, just to inter just to interject, we should put like massage sure. in quotation marks. She kind of begrudgingly pummels him for a second. <laughs> and she kind of puts her she kind of rests her fists on his back for a moment, pushes his face into something. It's uh, it's not a massage at all. <laughs> uh, a massage in name only. 
I'm by now. <laughs> yeah. um, have we started the, uh, the movie yet? Uh, I mean, technically we have. Um, okay, what, good. Uh, <laughs> basically, I have made the decision based on another podcast uh, that we did, also on the Guilty Pleasures show um on on club dread that i've kind of given up on on, like doing it strictly (laughs) chronologically i feel you know um it it just it's it's reached its limits and um so we're kind of bouncing back and forth we will talk about the main plot of the movie uh soon um (laughs) okay well i think i think the movie's got a really simple but smart my thing is you can't do complexity in plot and then complexity in action, and I sure. think have both work. If you really want the movie to scan for an audience, keep it keep it very simple, and then you can make the action scenes within that as dazzling as you want. And so I love that it's just you got to get in this bad guy's trust, escape from prison with him, take him where he needs to go, do what his boss needs, catch him. Okay, very simple. I get all of that. And then within that, they managed to just spend so many little complicated set pieces. Um, like, I just love watching Jackie run up that hill as they're trying to escape from prison. And just, it's the most painful run I think I've ever seen in my life. It looks excruciating by the time that car reaches the top of the thing. Right? Still chasing it. Yeah, horrible. That's, I, I, yeah, watching that, I was just like, I love the fact that like dispatching seven people is no problem, but running up a hill. But, you know, it's just, but they do make it look, because, I mean, it's shifting underneath their feet. And it's just like, yeah. that looks really hard. Straight up. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. Up. Yeah. Just, just catch the car, man. Catch the car. <laughs> uh, but I love that escape. And I, and I love that Panther pretty much buys in from the beginning. And they, they are so good at spinning the plates to keep him believing things. Um and it's ridiculous, the world, like, I just accept that the guy's name is Panther. Let's go. Okay, we're all right. looking for Panther, and then Panther's going to take us to, yeah, Chibot. And, okay, great. I really I like, like your point about, um, Drew, about the, like, you can't have complexity in plot and complexity in action. Because I, I very much feel the... I very much feel the same way because like, like looking at like some of the kind of the best kind of action movies of the last kind of like 10 years or whatever, you know, things like Mad Max Fury Road and the raid and stuff like they have very yeah. little in plot. It's very bare bones, but like, you know, the Miller, stunts, the yeah, Miller's a real are, believer, you know, like incredible. <laughs> I was going to, I wanted to zero in on the same point. Because when you said that, it, it rings immediately true. Because yes, Matt and Max Fury Road's plot is getter. Um, <laughs> but like, my immediate thought was, "No time to die" would like a word. <laughs> and it's like all the all the like the last you know, Skyfall. I think they I think these. they dress it. I think they dress it up. I think the Bond films are, and it's one of the reasons that some people have trouble with the Craig films. Is I do think when they try to disguise how narratively simple they are. Like Skyfall is really a crazy ex-employee tries to kill an old lady. You're right. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's all Skyfall is. Um, but they they hide it under the dark night. They you know dress it up and they dress. <laughs> yes. Um and so he's the Joker and he's got plans and there's wheels within wheels, but he really just wants to kill an old lady. This is and- where I betray perhaps my hottest of all takes when it comes to bond, which is I may be the only person who enjoys quantum of solace for its simplicity. <laughs> I, I, 
it's, it's, I think, I think it works better than Spectre, and I think it works narratively just as a really lean companion to the film that came before it, which is both a problem and a strength. If it had a better villain, yeah. I think it would pay off. Um, oh, yeah, that's, that's fair. That's super fair. Casino Royale, one and a half. <laughs> so it, it's like a bonus scene that just goes on for a really long time. Hey, how is, uh, how, how is the sound quality on your end, Scott? Because it's kind of breaking up on my end. resume. Uh, well, we're going to go back to Supercop because I'm going to stay quiet about Quantum <laughs> sure. of Solace, which I think is one of the most boring Bond movies ever made. Um, <laughs> so that could be a whole conversation. Um, <laughs> you are the second podcast to shut me down talking about Quantum of Solace. <laughs> Nobody wants to talk about that movie. Okay, fine. <laughs> This is about Super Cup, damn it, Adam. I have yes. you know, like, uh, you know, I too invested in Bond, like, uh, like the, the, it could be too long a conversation. It'd be too long a detail. I think James Bond is like religion and politics. It's one of those conversations <laughs> you don't unless you're willing to throw punches. You just know. I love you, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's wonderful. Oh. Uh, I would need to have a separate Bond podcast to have to have yes. to thrash this oh. one out. Like that's that's what I'm saying. That's, that's okay. <laughs> well, I'm I'm ready and waiting. Okay. <laughs> Whenever I add a third podcast, or technically, yeah, is it a fourth? I I don't know. But, um, but yeah, anyway. no, it, that's a really good point. Of, like, because yeah, it's it's a very simple. It's it's a thing that I I actually check the time because like once he was on his way, I was like, oh, we're seven and a half minutes in, and like. The mission, like everything's very clear. Um, yep. You know, it just it reminded me of being like twelve years old making movies with my friends. Of just like we go over there, okay. <laughs> I love this. Um, I love Michelle's first big fight scene in the uh, when they go to that village and everybody's pretending to be the relatives, and then they're getting arrested, and she finally jumps in and goes into action. Um, you get a sense right away of just how precise she is. That's one of the fun things in this movie is Jackie is Jackie and he's loose limbed and he's hilarious and he manages to be funny within the fight and use it. She is super precise. She's just, she is crazy uh, uh, focused in these fights. Um, I, I immediately entertaining. And I think uh, each of the fight scenes leading up to that uh, is entertaining. There's it's hard. Some of these, some of these movies do not, I don't think do a very good job of building in size from fight to fight. This is one of the better ones in that each of the set pieces feels like you're ramping up a little bit. Or oh, you mean yeah. from the fight in the, the fight in the restaurant and then they get arrested and then like, yeah, uh, M Michelle comes to the rescue and does that. Like, yeah. I love her outside kick and then it goes into another big fight. Yeah. I think that ramps up beautifully. <laughs> I, I appreciated, uh, so, you know, when they're in the village and, and Jackie is completely duped by Uncle dressing as his mom until <laughs> Uncle Clark, Clark Kent's him and raises his glasses. He's like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but then, like, you go to the boat and they, they slide underneath and then there's the reveal there's a boat underneath the boat that they're going to take off on. But, like, for a moment, it's just like, are these cops going to get on there and like not they, and then they just immediately they're like, Oh, these are false panels. And it's like, okay, so maybe super cop isn't like heavy on deduction. 
like like other police deduce. (laughs) (laughs) I love like to go back to that big fight. I like after like Michelle Yeoh like uh, rescues them and like starts beating people up. I love how like when they they, like run out of weapons and stuff like that. There's that one beat where like uh, Kevin just throws a bunch of chopsticks at a guy, and it's like, well, it worked. He he ran away. You know, like. (laughs) (laughs) I also like that she throws chopsticks to keep the guy from getting his gun, and like he recoils in fear. (laughs) (laughs) Such is the velocity of Michelle Yeoh throwing a chopstick. Yeah, Jackie just throws them. She is deadly with them. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, no. She she is skilled. She is a she is a master of the of the weaponized chopstick. Where yes, he he just grabs a bunch of them and just throws them out. Only one of them went on to crushing Tiger Hidden Dragon, and I have no <laughs> questions why it was that one. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie just throwing the sticks at people, you know. <laughs> So now I'm imagining him like a red buttons of chopsticks just walking around like with a bucket chucking them in the sky into the air. Um, I also I really like narratively I like how she is as quick as Jackie in terms of how to modify a situation how to take advantage of a situation the fake killing of the uh, security officer so that she can join them. Yes. And to have uh, and now Panther trust them. Just the fact that she immediately realizes okay great here's an opportunity and then yeah, I, I I think that's part of the pleasure of this film is there are Jackie Chan films I watch waiting for action scenes. And the stuff mm-hmm. between them can be rough after you've seen it once or twice or even the first time. Um, but this is one of those where I really, I enjoy everything about the characters too. I really love the fact that the, the way this thing is built and the way they're constantly winning Panther over to them. And yeah, she's terrific in that scene. She acts! Like, not yeah. that she fires it off, but then, like, when they get away, she has that moment against the wall where there's, like, are you okay? Like, what's wrong? And she's like, I killed someone. She's like, shit. All right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's I also, good. like, like you said, you know, Adam, you know, it's often shown that Kevin is not the brightest because <laughs> there is that, there is that beat just after it where he's like, you didn't actually kill that guy, did you? And she's like, <laughs> No, and she says it in that way of like, no, of course not, you idiot. Like, I'm a professional. Like, what are you talking about? Oh, Kevin. <laughs> no, buddy, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> it does make me want to rewatch, watch, uh, not rewatch, but watch the rest of the series just to see that character with like outside of this context. Like, I think you'll, I think you'll really puppy? love the first two. Yeah, you'll really love the first two. They are both okay. just terrific films. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I like. Yeah. The, the whole. I mean, their whole chemistry together is great. I, I love when they're on the boat and they're like kind of like squabbling siblings and they're like just slapping each other about. It's just. It's just very funny. Yes. Um, <laughs> and it's and it's uh, for her. She is. I, I looking at her career at the time, like she, this was a one of those moments where I, I feel like an actor realized what they were. A lot of times, you don't have agency in Hong Kong. You are uh, in the system, and it's just what you're offered and what you can get. And like uh, she truly feels to me like somebody that saw this moment and took full advantage of it. And it's it's the reason she is the movie sh- movie star she is now. Like I. 
a lot of young actors have moments like this. Very few of them take it and run with it this way. Uh, pure charisma, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. She's, she's amazing. She's amazing in this role. And like, like you say, it absolutely makes it. It is, she is on par with Jackie throughout the movie. This is a buddy movie. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You look at how quickly they started just making vehicles for her after this. How they knew right away. Well, yeah. Rather confusingly in franchise terms, this movie has a sequel, a spin-off sequel, Super Cop 2, which is like, which is just her. Um, Jackie Chan and I think Uncle Bill like have cameos, but like it focuses on her. I've not actually seen it, but yeah. I'm aware of it. It's okay. But yeah, it's, uh, it's just right away, I think she... Not, very few of Jackie's co-stars, I think, got launched quite this hard, quite this fast. And no. there's a reason. Like he, it, it, this performance-wise, she just eats him alive in most of this movie. Um, yeah, yeah, it's true. it's rare. It's rare to see a movie where because uh, I I think he is on fire. This is the middle of his big run of just everything he's doing. The play and the Project A series, the Armor of God series. The police story series. I feel like this is Jackie at his absolute prime, and uh, it it really is equivalent to Schwarzenegger or Stallone casting somebody, and then just kind of standing back for most of the movie, going, "Good God, look, look at that!" I do look I recall that. hearing uh, stories about like, <clears throat> well, there's the iconic one of Gregory Peck on the set of Roman Holiday, like calling the studio and saying, "You really need to put her name." up above the title because this is going to look ridiculous if you don't uh and then richard Gere talking to gary marshall during pretty woman of just like i don't even have to do anything <laughs> see and that's that's i wonder because I, I don't know i don't know if jackie or if it's a thing where then the movie comes out and you look at it and you're like wow oh my god look at what we got look at what we bottled mm -hmm. um you, i have no idea if on set he realized i i may have met my match um but it certainly feels like Stanley Tong knows what he's doing and knows what he has. <laughs> yeah, very much so. I think we should also mention that the the other characters are pretty fun as well. Like the villain characters are pretty fun too. Like oh yeah. Panther, I think very well drawn, very yeah. well played. Yeah. Panther's played by Yu Wan, uh, who's who's like in a bunch of Hong Kong movies and everything. He's done like he's been stunt coordinator and loads of things. Um and uh, you know, like he's he's a great he's a great <laughs> character, and you know, like you say, kind of trusts Kevin immediately. Um, it, it just it just takes it on Red that is like, oh, this guy saved me, so he is my friend. Um, and uh, but he has some fun <laughs> moments, <laughs> you know, particularly like when they're on the boat and then the police uh, the police are coming to capture them, and then they escape on the the you know the, the speedboat. And um, it just, I just really enjoyed watching that scene of them escaping on the, the police boat as Panther oh, yeah. laughs maniacally. Just <laughs> as, well, as I think he escapes, and I, love it. And I think Kenneth Sang, he's another one of those guys who, uh, he, I love him in like Peking Opera Blues and uh, Better Tomorrow movies. Um, he's another guy who's had, a, you know, just a huge character actor career who, the moment he shows up as as Tribot, he's great and brings real weight to it. And um, yeah, they're they're cartoonish bad guys in this movie, which I think is part of the police story series. They're, everything's very broad, but I think perfectly calibrated. Like Jackie can go too broad in some of his comedies or in some of his his bad guy characters. 
I love these guys. I love the way they're played. Yeah. Yep. Giant Bat and Panther are great. <clears throat> and like this is the moment where it kind of becomes more of a Bond movie. Like the speedboat escape feels kind of Bondy. And then definitely it feels very Bond when we get to Chai Bat's place, which seems like a yeah. kind of Bond villain lair. And uh, yeah, Chai Bat, I... we should mention as well, is wearing the classic Bond villain getup of a Nero suit. So, like, we know. Yes. <laughs> The we energy really does villain. change, like once they get there. Yeah, yeah. And I love how they just sit around and watch. They they just sit around and watch him play video games, and it's like really bad Atari level video games. I know his brother what just got broken party. out of prison, and he's like, "I'll be with you in a second. I'm playing Sega Genesis." Yeah, and I and I want to watch the boss play Sega Genesis because it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Weird beat, man. Weird moment, Panther. Yeah, it is a strange. It is a strange moment. <laughs> yeah, he's he's clearly very concerned about his wife. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Clearly, I love how it's kind of portrayed for a second that he's like a kind of genius villain, and it's like you know immediately sees through, um, you know, like like Jackie and, and Michelle, and uh, it's like they're obviously cops, you idiot. But then it actually turns out <laughs> it's just a test, and it's like, oh no, actually, I love you guys. <laughs> You couldn't be cops. You couldn't possibly be cops. You handed me this empty pistol. Would a cop wear <laughs> shoes like this? <laughs> oh dear. And um, I don't then totally you get, get to your the test, meeting. Um, yes, yeah. that's what I was going to say. Uh, so, like you said, there is some broad kind of cartoonish villains. Um, we get the drug dealers conference in in a kind of Malaysian jungle. Um, I love which, that conference is so a, much. <laughs> it's like a full like this is not so much Bond as it is like Naked Gun. That is, is yeah. <laughs> it really like it's if you took that scene from Dark Knight where you know they're all gathered around and then the pencil trick happens, but like yeah, it's just it, you. It's so silly, and it makes no sense. You know, like when they're talking, they're like, all right, you've got this and you've got half and you've got half and you've got half. And there's this half over here and then three million tons. You're like, how much fucking drugs are we talking about? Like, <laughs> like I'm trying to keep track of the math here. And like, it's early, but I've had coffee. <laughs> and it, it just, it's oh, a lot of drugs. They were, oh, they're so delightful. Because it, it, it's, it's almost like a childish understanding of, of crime. <laughs> there's, it's oh, very same, much so. And, you know, so you think like, oh, it's not that the stakes are low, but like it keeps the tone kind of light. And then everyone dies. (laughs) Oh, I loved it so much. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) Like, because and just the, the pinball of the conversation of just like, hey, I've done this. And, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to edge me out of this. I run this place. And they're like, well, someone here didn't pay. And it's like, okay, well, admittedly, that is me. I did not pay. (laughs) 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 But if you're trying to use that as an excuse. Yes. (laughs) Like, don't you try to undermine my criminal empire by pointing out my debts, my unpaid debts. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I love Chai Bat's kind of reasoning there of like, yes, I am the one who didn't pay, but I do have all the money. However, 
The money is all in a Swiss bank account. And if we can just break my wife out of jail, I could buy all of you. And it's like, also, you are entirely (laughs) surrounded by my gunmen. So there is one answer. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I have men with rocket launchers for some reason. (laughs) Completely around the the perimeter. I think once the story reaches this point in in the middle of the movie, it kind of turns into yes and for a little while, where it's the, and then and then and then and then my, and then my wife, then we're gonna break her out of prison. And then you're gonna see it, it and it kind of does that for a little, which is fine because it's like each one is just an excuse to kind of show off a little bit more of that chemistry and show off a little bit more. It's but yeah, it it doesn't have a real clear line where you're going through for a little while. Yeah. It's a bit like, Oh, sorry. I don't you go. No, I'm just like, it's such a good educational moment for like, you know, for a filmmaker to just, you know, it doesn't matter (laughs) as long as you care about what, like our characters or you care about the characters. Like it kind of doesn't matter. Just like, just, just get through it. Like live somehow. (laughs) Like it doesn't matter if we can't follow it. You're fine. Um, The best piece of writing advice, I think I've, at least screenwriting advice I've ever been given. uh, One of the guys who wrote Unknown, that Liam Neeson movie, uh, I covered it for creative screenwriting. And he said, you just have to remember that this is an emotional medium. Like you can give the audience all the information in the world, but if you don't give them a reason to care, it's all for naught. Hmm. And yeah, like you just always have to have your eye on the emotion. You know, because like that's that's what's going to get the audience through the movie. And then at the end, it's like, oh, like, oh, right. Like, this is a plot hole or that's a plot hole. And like, you know, YouTube can go to hell in that regard. But because uh, you know, YouTube lives to. Yeah, yeah like, fuck all talk, that. Yeah. Do, yeah. But like, it doesn't matter. It's the uh, didn't Hitchcock call it like the sandwich test or something? You know, yeah. If, you, if you're if you're making a sandwich later and you're still thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really I like the fact that this movie it's like it has simple goals and each time it reaches one of those simple goals, it puts it to bed and then it just sets a different simple goal. Yeah. And so yeah, it's like get from here to here, get from here to here. And I think it does that so well. I think it's got such great energy. Um, and that's what I mean by comparing this to some of the other Jackie Ch- films in terms of why this feels like one of the moments that they really wanted to bring to an international audience. Um, he just had gotten to the point where I think he was so good at the Jackie Chan persona. He had that honed to a fine art. And I think Tong took full advantage of it in this moment. And I think it's such a, a such a simple film to grasp. I don't think you have to have any localized knowledge. I don't think you have to get anything about Hong Kong politics. I don't think you have to get anything really about. So it's all just jailbreaks and bad guys and drugs and man that that that's international language. We all understand all of that very simply. Yeah, aside from like the one tossed off line about like, you know, oh, it belongs to the Hong Kong government. Oh, it belongs to or the Chinese government. Oh, it belongs to the people. Like, oh, it's yeah. 1997. We can play, you know, we can play well together. Just like, mm, oh yeah, sure. Clock, yeah. Was, clock was ticking on that. So that's 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 a reminder of when this was made. This is, yeah. That definitely yeah. pins this down to a moment. There but is no, a real I mean, like, kind of there is a kind of real, you know, if if you're thinking about the kind of politics of the time, um, there is a real kind of kind of propaganda element in this movie 
of kind of like, oh, we're we're going to be friends with the Chinese again. This is, you know, I, we're, oh, yeah. you know like, yeah, I mean, good luck making yeah. a movie called Supercop that doesn't have any propagandic elements. Yeah, uh, no, there is there I, is propagandic elements in terms of uh, in terms of cops, and there's propagandic yeah, elements but, in uh, terms of like uh, diplomatic relations with with the Chinese. In the Hong Kong China. Yeah. I think there's a whole like you could seriously just set a framework for that countdown to the Hong Kong reunification and set like a decade's worth of movies and their anxiety against it, because it's such a weird, constant dread that I think Mm. you're either reacting by saying nothing's wrong. It's all great. We're going to be friends. It's going to be fantastic. Or you're reacting the other direction, but yeah, yeah, it's omnipresent sort of, especially in these moments. And, and to go back to, kind of the point that we were discussing before uh, the tangent of geopolitics. Um, uh, Chris McQuarrie talks about like one of the things that he, like when he started doing mission impossible um, that he keyed into or that he struggled with until he keyed into was no one packs a bag in mission impossible. Like you don't, you know, nobody goes to this to see the logistics of world travel. All you have to yeah. be, all you, all you have to do is put the word Malaysia on the screen and then just, they're driving. They're in Malaysia, you know, and it, it it's it's strange how much we like just kind of accept. But then you watch a movie like this, and it's like, yeah, you know, like it doesn't really matter. Everybody knows how you get to a place, you know. And I mean, I wasn't even always clear on where they were going, but, but was, all right, like, well, they seem to know what they're doing, so I'm here. <laughs> yep. The movie is just Hong Kong, China, Malaysia. That's. Yeah, right. Yeah. With one stop in Wuhan. Which is in China. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh no, I was I wasn't I wasn't being contrary. I was just it, you know, I feel like watching it before last year. Right, yes. Okay. okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Of course, yes. It it kind of rings differently now. That that jumps out a bit more than it used to. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose because I seen the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Do we not know why Chibot's wife is in prison? No, I don't. Think uh, they say conspiracy revealed. against the state or against the country, but I don't yeah. think they ever say specifically. That is that is awfully vague, man. <laughs> right? I oh, it's, that very, too. it's very. It, it's weird because we get a scene of her trial, but we don't. We still have no idea what she's really being put on trial for. Although I really do enjoy the moment. There's a very fun comic moment where Chibat, because you know, obviously he's a villain, so he's a shithead. Um, he sends a man to be like. Hey, can you give us the Swiss bank account codes? And the wife's like, "Hell no, that's not gonna happen." <laughs> also, uh, another one that I really love is when they get there, and he's like, "That's the courthouse," and I think it's Jackie Chan that says, "Is there a reason we need to know that?" <laughs> like, it's an actual line of dialogue. Do we need to know where the courthouse is? <laughs> <laughs> This I love delightful. that more in movies where there's a bit of useless exposition said, and then somebody's just like, "And what?" Yeah, it's like <laughs> in a, the 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 less than good movie I saw yesterday was Rambo: Last Blood, and there's a moment in it where like, because he is indecipherable, so much of that movie, like he has got that Stallone gravel voice going, and at one point a character just says, "What?" <laughs> and it made me so happy. <laughs> It's like, yeah, man, I, I got the subtitles on. Like, I don't know either. <laughs> the subtitles just say, I don't know. Yeah. Right. The subtitles are like, 
I'm not oh, paid no, enough like, for this. Yeah, because he, he is, like, doing, like, the full bore Stallone thing in that movie. Like, you know, oh, at yeah. least in uh, some other more recent, even in the Expendable films and, and stuff like that, and uh, you can kind of understand them. But, like, in Last Blood, he's doing, he's just, I mean, I'm not even sure he is saying lines of dialogue. In that movie, he's just, <laughs> no, like, <laughs> It's like, did Coogler have him selling seashells down by the seashore? Like, you know, he's so understandable in Creed. Uh, <sighs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, he can be understandable when he wants to be. But like, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're not. That's another anyway, movie we're not here to talk about. <laughs> yeah, we're not here to talk about Bond or Rambo. <laughs> that's in our new podcast, Bond and Rambo, twenty-four-seven. <laughs> <laughs> Rambond. <laughs> oh man now you gotta do that all right now you you're obligated a very very niche audience but boy yeah. they'll be loyal <laughs> this is why you i just want to be on the episode where we talk about the i just want to be on the episode where we unpack the global politics of rambo fighting alongside the taliban in rambo 3 <laughs> Oh yeah, you know Rambo movies famously age well. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> uh, I don't like the idea that people keep wanting me to do podcasts about movies I don't like, <laughs> but I do see the merit. <laughs> anyway, oh. we're in Malaysia now. Okay. So where are we at in the movie? We're, Malaysia. we're in Malaysia uh, I, now. We're in. We're in. Kuala we're at the Malaysia. resort. We're at the resort. Yep. We've talked about the pummeling massage. We, we've we, already we've already covered that. Um, we kind of covered the kind of classic police story may misunderstanding. That is uh, the thing that makes it feel yeah, most like a kind of police story movie. Um, right, that's the moment where I'm like, oh yeah, this is a police story sequel. That's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get some hilarity around. Um, the hotel staff and Panther and a bunch of other people mistaking me for a hooker. Um, Cause you know, <laughs> yeah. Jackie, yeah, ja- Jackie's gender politics. You give with the one hand with Michelle Yeoh's character, you take with the other, with the May storyline. So yeah, it's like, Oh man. Yep. There we go. Yeah. And then we kind of, we get out of that. And um, <laughs> I will say, because yep. this occurred to me a couple times during it. Like you have the moment early on when he's just like, when Jackie says, Oh, the head of security is an attractive woman. And then later on when Panther assumes that May is a prostitute. Like, and then there's something later on. There's like an early moment between uh well, Kevin, I should say, and Panther. Mm-hmm. Um I so I grew up in the Midwest and the South, and there were one of the, like my chief complaints about <laughs> That is that there were, I was constantly like other straight white guys were constantly assuming that I was having the same lizard brain thoughts as they were. And so lots of, lots and lots of guys have said truly reprehensible things to me, like expecting agreement, you know, like, oh yeah. And it was a thing that I kind of liked about the character, the character building is just like, you know, he he uses that as like this is this is not a good thing to think like this is mm. not correct you know mm. because this person who is a rampant murderer and who knows what else he has done like 
thinks this. And so it is clearly the wrong thing to think. Like Kevin Smith used to yeah. get in trouble with uh, for this because uh, especially in Chasing Amy, he's like, oh, but Jason Lee's character is the fool. Like he's saying all these things and he's the fool. And it's like, right, but he's also the most fun character in the movie. Like it's, <laughs> it's, the, it's the always sunny problem of like a whole lot of people are going to agree with you and not get that they're doing it wrong. <laughs> I kind of appreciated that. Like I actually thought the morality of the movie was pretty clear. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I I agree. I I think um, there is other Jackie Chan movies where the gender politics are, like I said, are m more problematic. But um, like the sexism in this movie tends to get kind of tends to get shut down, or yeah. even like in the kind of bit on the boat. Oh, I think it's buffoonish, like definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, even that bit where he's like, oh, this stupid woman's giving me lip kind of thing. And then that's like, it. Michelle that's exactly what it was. Really bites back, you know, so there is a kind of clear morality here of generally yeah. sexism is punished in this movie, you know? So, yeah. Like uh, nobody comes out of this movie wanting to be Panther. True. <laughs> true. That is very true. <laughs> I don't under, I honestly don't. I mean, that is a whole different rabbit hole because I don't understand how people can watch certain things and be like, Oh, I want to be that. I, I don't understand how people can watch the Wolf of wall street and not understand that clearly Martin Scorsese hates that character. Like I don't, right. but anyway, like I, I just, it, like, again, that's when? a whole different rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. When you guys, when when you watch the Netflix thing that I, I'm about to release, that's what it's about. It's literally about the idea that I don't give a shit about liking characters in movies. I'm more interested in interesting characters in movies. Mm. And I truly, I'm not there to get a moral lesson. I'm there to be interested and entertained and engaged. And okay. so, yeah, it's it's a huge no, no. sticking point for me. So, and I, I apologize if this tangent whatever but like so i'm currently working on a script with somebody and it's a vengeance script and <clears throat> a ghost waits took me five years to make and because i haven't made another movie even though i know in my head that it's not going to take five years to make every movie i also hear enough stories about people who spend 5 10 15 20 years you know trying to make or make like the vonnegut doc that just came out like that took forever um yeah and i was I was kind of approached about a few things like, you know, at one point I was approached by a slasher movie uh, or slasher trilogy. And I was just like, I don't think I can live in that space. Like this is a very intensive process. And as we've been working on this vengeance script, I've been thinking a lot about the morality of it because yeah, not everybody, you don't go to the movies for a moral lesson, but there, but morality does exist. And, of course, and, yeah. I, and I, of course, but it's, I, I don't think you as a filmmaker are immoral if you show an immoral thing. I think you can be highly moral and show an immoral thing. Yes. It, it's, yeah, it's, I don't, I don't think one necessarily precludes the other. I, I think it's, it's all context. It's all, you know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, and you know, just it, using like Wolf of Wall Street as an example, like that, that shows immoral things but has like a very moralistic tone of like these people oh, are I mean, bad. Yeah. 
These yeah, people oh, are shitbags. These people are fucking you. And, like, you know, like, you should hate them. <laughs> it is yeah. startled that that world exists. That entire movie is, can you fucking believe this? Exactly. Oh, my God. Can yeah, you fucking believe this? this? That is what the movie is saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's <laughs> as someone who thinks wealth is gross. I love that movie. Yeah. yeah. It's great. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, but yeah, I love the I love the mace I love the mace stuff. I, I genuinely I love her in this entire. I love every time she appears in this series. I'm sorry that this is the last time she you know she's in it, but um, I think Maggie Chung like terrific, great comedy actress, great dramatic actress. She she's pretty wonderful. So yeah, um, yeah. and I she's and of course blows it, and of course then blows it after she manages to keep <laughs> everything fine. She blows it. Um, Which is I think is her finest comic moment in the movie. Like, (laughs) she is so cool. Like, she sees Panther behind Kevin. She understands the game. She knows what's going on. Kevin's on official business. She's got to play it straight. So she slaps him in the face and pretends to be the hooker that Panther thinks she is. And then immediately she gets in the lift and is so proud of herself, just starts (laughs) blabbing away and gets herself kidnapped. It's amazing. That is so, that is cinema. Because, like, she gets into that elevator and she starts talking and you're like, well, there's definitely somebody in there. But, you know, uh-huh. in the frame, it's just them and some white people and, you know, like just it's just them and tourists. And then he's people get out, at, by the way. He's very good at the reveal with a, a, a like a camera reveal in this movie yes. for comedy effect. The cactus that Jackie jumps into, uh, the <laughs> yeah. at the end where you don't know where he lands and he tilts up to it. He loves <laughs> the, the tilt reveal. To get a comic laugh at it, to, to get a reaction out of you. Yeah. I just, it was so like, yeah, you, you even knew who it was going to be kind of like, it's, yeah. you know, cause there really could only be the one guy, but it was just so well executed. Oh, it made me so happy. <laughs> oh, and, yeah. and pretty much once that happens, the movie gallops. Yes. Like yes. that's, that's one of those movie moments. And I, especially for movies that I rewatch, um, I remember when I was a kid and I would go see Raiders of the Lost Ark like 17 times while it was playing <laughs> in theaters because I was a lunatic. And I got to the point where I knew certain moments. I'd like get comfortable in my seat. Cause, okay, here we go. Here we go. Here it comes. And the rest of this is going to be nuts. And that's what this is like. The moment she blows it and gets kidnapped you're like the rest of this movie is buckled in and it's great it's such a matter of rhythm too because like it you have to know what the audience is doing because the moment it sh- it shifts to reveal the dude in the elevator as an audience member you're just like well there it, <laughs> there it goes mm-hmm. and it is off to the races like it knows exactly what it's doing oh this movie was not made up by accident <laughs> no absolutely not because like yeah as you say you know it's when it's revealed May has been kidnapped and then, you know, basically they get one of the, the henchmen phones up Panther, informs uh, that, you know, informs Panther that Kevin is like a detective, you know, for, for the Hong Kong police. And then if after that, it's just action set. And the plot has ended. We're, we we're don't no, even get no the longer. confrontation. You yeah. know, it's, it's just remain calm as I tell you this. They're, they're police. And then it just cuts to he's in a truck and they're like, we're going to kill him if you don't do this. Go. Like, shit. Like, there wasn't even, you didn't even get the moment of 
you know, of, of the confrontation. It's just like, wow, this movie, I mean, there's, there's, there's lean and then there's lean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause there is that brief moment of confusion where you're like, Oh, why is he in the truck now? And then you just get them <laughs> on the video being like, yeah, if you, if you don't do this, we're, we're going to kill me. All right, that's why he's in oh. the truck. Fear. Yep. <laughs> Shit. Okay. Guess I'm doing this. Here we go. I uh, yeah, so great. And I this is this is one of the I you know, throughout Jackie's career, there are the big set pieces that you talk about in terms of just how did you ever think this up? How did you orchestrate this? You've got the helicopter, the train, the the car chase, the motorcycle, the all the elements of this thing. The, the way he layers them in, the way they're all structured, the way they start paying each other off, man, it is a masterpiece. And I, I say that without any irony. I think this is, in terms of action, staging, shooting, conception, the stunt work, and to have your lead actors doing 99% of everything, it's truly unparalleled. James Cameron yeah. must look at this and cry. He must just <laughs> cry like a baby. Cry himself to sleep at night on his pillow made of money. I could never. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, because, like, watching, especially when she jumps onto the train, I, it made me think about, like, the latter Die Hard movies of just, like, this is what it looks like when you actually, like, think about how, like, have a crazy idea and then couch it in the physical universe mm-hmm. as opposed to let's fly a plane through a helicopter <laughs> or whatever it was. Like, say what you know. But yeah. she jumps a motorcycle onto a train, um, and we watch it with our eyeballs, and <laughs> it happens. And yeah. it's yeah, it. I the first time you see it, it's mind boggling. The fifteenth time you see it, it's mind boggling. <laughs> it, it's there are certain things that as you get older, you've seen them over and over, they kind of lose their luster. I don't think there's anything about this train scene that does that. I I watched it again this morning and. Man, man, it's yeah. incredible. Yeah, and the kids like say you said it's before, like you mentioned before that you know one of the interesting things about this movie is like it's really an equal partnership. So like some of the most memorable moments throughout these many action sequences are Michelle Yeoh moments, and particularly the, the the jump onto the train, but also like hanging off the 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 roof of the van, and like her her yeah. jump from the van onto the car, and like the, some of the moments you remember the most is is the Michelle Yeoh moments. Oh man, the the hit when she goes off of the uh, truck into the car window, yeah, into and the jacket, and then rolls yeah. up the front. Yeah. Jesus, that that is. <laughs> heart stopping and and yeah i i have to imagine after if i were the director of this movie and you were to see the raw takes after every time you hear me yell cut you'd also hear me go oh jesus christ is she okay because <laughs> oh my god it's terrifying oh my god yeah i do I mean, love that must the... have been most of the the third act of this movie is just um, people going like oh jesus are they still alive <laughs> <laughs> and I love the I I think the the shooting of the helicopter stuff. I assume he is, uh, of course, harnessed somehow to the the ladder while they're mm. flying him. Even so, oh my god, um, that activates every fear center I possess. Um, they that is in those like end credits kind of outtake reel. Mm. You see him going up on that on the the rope ladder and like. 
he must be harnessed, but he must. You cannot he see must. it from that. Like <laughs> when they're shooting, you're just like, I don't know where it is. <laughs> He's a crazy person. He's it's such a crazy person. Yeah. Um, and I think the outtakes. I feel like the outtakes are terrorism um, in Jackie Chan <laughs> films. And some of them, the stuff that they put in, it's be- it's terrifying enough when you see the takes that work. When you see the takes that don't work, you feel bad that you bought a ticket. It's like, <laughs> I'm so, so sorry. I don't want to encourage him. I don't want him to smash his head like an egg for me. I feel terrible. Oh, my God. Um, right. But he is crazy. He is certifiably insane. And... Truly one of the the singular movie stars. I think he combines, you know, all the best of I know the the comparison gets made over and over to Buster Keaton and deservedly. I think the the physical language of what they do is very similar. But it's the entire idea of what silent film stars did. He is a complete physical movie star and yeah. unique. I really I think that's that's what's special is there's good Jackie Chan films and bad Jackie Chan films, but in all of them you have Jackie Chan, who is this remarkable thing and i love that his real talent was finding other remarkable people who were willing to die on camera and uh harness that in service of something really remarkable and and special and i think this is one of the movies where all that all of the combinations work all of the chemistry works man um it may not be his best film i don't think it's his best film by a long shot but it's one of the easy to digest great Jackie Chan films. And yeah. like one of the things that I find most remarkable about actors, um, you know, at some point I realized it just in talking to, to actors that like, you're at the mercy of how light hits your skin. You know, yeah. it's just like, so um, I knew, I knew an, act- an actress who was going up for the same roles as Emma Stone a lot and Emma was getting them. And it's just like, they look very similar if you're sitting at a table with them, but you, start up a camera and turn on some lights and they look totally different and the absurd amount of self-awareness that some of these especially stars have of not just how does how does my face look you know under these on these in this context but also like how do words sound coming out of my mouth like he yeah. has such a clear understanding of his entire being. So he has that kind of affable, you know, charming puppy dog, you know, energy that he brings to so much where, you know, especially, yeah, you put him next to Michelle Yeoh, who is very, you know, very serious, very like straightforward. And it just works perfectly because those, those energies find a way to balance, you know, and, and think about how many, I mean, Channing Tatum is, is one that I think like has become so much more, uh, has become stronger and uh, much more um, recognized or appreciated as his awareness of himself grew. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think that's either if you are lucky enough to figure it out. And if you are lucky enough to be one of those people who the camera adores, um, it can be very powerful. And I think that uh, this is, that's, that's the benefit of this one is it gets a double dose of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting you used Channing Tatum as an example there, Adam. Because I was I was like, yeah, because like like you say, you know, that's somebody who's obviously, you know, he has a kind of star power because like you know he's a good looking guy or whatever. But like he, you know, he he had that moment where it's kind of like, 
he had uh, you know he sort of had a self awareness of like oh, what he can do and like what his what he can kind of bring to the table because I remember yeah. like having a big kind of like aha moment in terms of like I don't know I remember going into like. 21 Jump Street with very low expectations of just being like, eh, mm-hmm. I, I guess this film will be fine. I don't know. Like, I'm not a big fan of Channing Tatum. Like, eh, Jonah Hill, I quite like him. Yeah. Oh, okay, I'll give it a punt. You know, went to see it. There wasn't much on at the cinema. And I came out of that movie, like, it's it's still one of the most surprising experiences at the cinema for me. Because I was like, that was what? great. And uh, Lord and Miller did that to me again with the Lego <laughs> movie as well. I was like, didn't yeah. have any expectation. I was like, you. fucking hell, that was great <laughs> yeah well yeah, i mean you know because he had you know he worked with soderbergh and uh sort of uh i think it was sort of talked about like they were just at lunch one day they were you know he and Channing Tatum were just at lunch talking and channing told him about his background and had all these amazing stories and it was just like you know at at the time you know kind of leading up to hey or at the time of haywire like what he'd made before Channing Tatum basically seemed like a precious metal that could act. And by humanizing him, you know, Magic Mike moved the needle so much on him of just like, oh, he actually is a person. Mm-hmm. Like he isn't just, yep. you know, someone who wears clothes very well or, you know, uh, yeah. Like, and Soderbergh does that where he just like, he gets curious about something and then like, let's, let's show the world why I think this is interesting. Um, I think one of the reasons that this film is a huge jump forward in terms of, and and, and not just for the the combination of these two, but in terms of performance mattering, performance matters on one of Jackie Chan's films, clearly, Mm -hmm. but Hong Kong largely overdubbed everything. And there was a switch over to the actual process of making movies like movies where you record sound on set and you actually record the performance live versus building it all later vocally. And this was the movie where they did that. And it really does make a difference. The chemistry between Jackie and Michelle is the real chemistry from the set versus something that had to be reproduced later. And I think it it reads. It's one of the reasons yeah. I feel like this film may have really felt different to an audience that was used to Jackie's movies before this. Yeah, that's true. And it, it's, it makes a difference because like um, most of the other actors are, are being dubbed by other people, but Jackie and Michelle are uh, dubbed themselves. Yeah. And, and in the original, but yeah. And in the original, just to hear them together and to hear it really be them together. It's great. Like they have such a natural, easy chemistry immediately. Right. Also, I, I just wanted to, I was just thinking about something. Um, do you think that this movie is maybe more accessible, um, particularly in the 90s, was maybe more accessible to American audiences because the action feels quite American? And um, for a Jackie Chan movie, the quotient of martial arts scenes is actually quite low. Oh, I think that's a huge, uh, absolutely, it's a huge advantage. And it was a complaint for people that were Jackie Chan fans. Uh, about and, this and film it's still is a complaint. Not- like it, some people still aren't massive on this movie because the um, action is kind of Americanized, and there there is very few martial art fights. But I but there are so many great Jackie Chan films that are martial arts fights oriented. Like yeah. if I want that, I'll go watch Drunken Master Two, mm. and I'll watch the last act of that movie, and I will watch uh, the most amazing martial arts fight I've ever seen Jackie Chan do. Um, there are movies that do that. 
And so I don't mind that this one has the emphasis on a different kind of stunt work and a different kind of action, because I just think that's what they leaned into. Sure. Um, it's not like they have fights in the movie, but they're bad fights. It's not like Jackie just showed up and phoned in a bunch of terrible martial arts. It's just not that film. And I understand if that's what you wanted. And I understand even that Police Story and Police Story 2 set a different table. But, you know, sometimes a sequel switches tone. And if you can go with it and it works for you, great. And if not, then, then yeah, I don't know. It's probably very disconcerting. I'm sure there's fans who bounce off this one. I, I'm, Which, I'm oh like my you. god, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, I, I'm I'm like you. I like this movie. It gives you a different a different flavor. You know, if I want that flavor of uh, Jackie Chan, I you know there is the Drunken Master films. You know, I I have a fondness for Young Master. Like I said at the start of the episode, like there, yeah. there's a bunch of you know martial arts oriented films that I can I can get that from. And like like you say. Like the brief moments of martial arts in this movie aren't like shitty fights or anything. The fight with the martial, the military instructor is fun, and the fight on top of the train's quite fun as well. Even though they're very short interactions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I really and I love the fact that you have got the spinning helicopter blades on top of the train, and he sets a. It's a great setting for that final fight. So when it happens, I'm glad that it's not non-stop throughout the film when we get it it's special it's cool it's that one great scene and um just to kind of finish off where, where we're at with the the movie because we're pretty much at, at the end um chai bat's death is hilarious <laughs> <laughs> it really is that's a, that's a good that's a good measurement for a villain death how good is it it's extra hilarious oh, uh, it's and it so is good. he really he eats shit it is really bad and delightful. Um, and he earns it too. By the time he goes, you're like, yep, you 100% had that coming, buddy. <laughs> and it's one of those great villain reactions. You know, obviously, there's the kind of I iconic kind of villain reaction faces, you know, like Alan Rickman falling off the Nakatomi mm -hmm. Towers and, and Die Hard and stuff like that. And it is one of the all time great villain reaction faces when Kenneth signs. <laughs> like, he's just, he realizes, oh no, I'm going to go head first into a flaming <laughs> helicopter. Fuck. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And not to rush past that, but the very end of the movie, like, again, I was just cackling with laughter because, like, the movie just ends. It just, it's like whiplash. It just pieces right out. Like, dude, I they, love movies that do that. I love movies yeah. that have 14 seconds of closing credits. Like, because you get the really lovely thing of, like, uh, you know, uh, Michelle Yeoh catches um catches Chiba's wife and Jackie Chan has to catch her and then like it ends up being like inverted in the very end and then they all like they're just sitting there and I like that the villain's wife is just like yeah you caught me you can have my money now and that mm -hmm. you get that little moment of like oh does it go to China or Hong Kong it's like eh, we'll never know and then just Tom Jones <laughs> and it does it, it does feel very much like a um Bond movie in that they kind of just put a punchline on it Except it's not a punchline about Bond getting laid. It's a punchline about China or Hong Kong getting money. It's right, but it's very much like the same structure of here's your joke, here's your button, get out. Yeah. And yeah, and now you get to watch how insane it is that we make these things. <laughs> and yeah, when she when she misses the train, it's one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen. 
Yeah. Oh, God, um, yeah. oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't think I could direct it. I honestly, just having been on set for giant stunt sequences and giant action sequences, I think you had to be wired a certain way to be able to do it well and to not just be heart sick the whole time because I, I would be terrified. I am terrified just watching this stuff. And these behind the scenes, like I said, they, they are, I know they're hilarious and, and wild and, but they are also just plain anxiety inducing. Um, right. On some of the films, the armor of God ones, I remember as being particularly rough at times. Mm. I well, remember like, reading his autobiography, uh, Jackie Chan, My Life in Pictures, and just explain, you know, explaining all his injuries he got on various things. It's just been like, Jesus, you are just wired differently. This is just, I, I could not put my through self through any of this. <laughs> no, I, I know no. that I know it's going to sound like all roads lead to Mission Impossible for me, but uh, Macquarie talks about like, you know, when they say, how do you get insurance? He's like, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't go to that meeting. Like that is somebody's job and I let them yep. do their job and I don't worry about it. Otherwise I would never sleep at night and not, this movie would never get made. Um, yep. And I remember like the story of, you know, Tom Cruise being attached to the plane at the start of Rogue Nation and they put the, <laughs> the special contacts into his eyes t- because of the wind pressure. And then somebody just like makes, I think it's on the Blu-ray. Somebody just makes the like random comment that like, you know, if there's a bird, he's dead, right? It's just like, <laughs> we're, we're really trying to not think about that right now. <laughs> and like, oh, the fear. Oh, the fear. Oh, no, thank you. has no stunts. But no. like, I remember like being like being in the process of making it and reading about like Jennifer Lawrence uh, fracturing a rib on Mother and just like how bad I would feel if somebody had gotten hurt on my movie. And yeah, yeah, like, I mean, you do just have to be like, well, if we're doing that, I'm, I'm sure there's a protocol and okay. (laughs) Like, and you got, but you got to know that the people that you hire are great at their jobs. That's yeah. I, when I I was on set for uh, kick-ass the first one, and I was watching Brad Allen, build the fight scenes and Brad Allen learned from Jackie Chan. He's the, you know, I'm sure both of you guys know this, but he's the one Westerner that ever really, the one white guy that ever really got to train for the Jackie Chan stunt team and be part of the Jackie Chan stunt team. And so when he moved on to fight choreography and fight planning, um, it's the Jackie Chan philosophy. And you look at his fights in kick-ass or in the Kingsman movies or, you know, the Shang-Chi just recently, and you see, everything Brad absorbed from Jackie in terms of using props and using settings and putting comic beats and storytelling into the fights themselves. And um, all of that comes with this hyper awareness of safety. And I find that fascinating to be able to stage stuff that looks terrifying and deadly and dangerous. And yet safety is foremost in your mind at all times and how to do this so that everybody goes home at night. yeah. I think it's I think it's really remarkable when people are great at that gig, man. Yeah, it's I mean, it 
so much of art in general is fascinatingly dedicated mania (laughs) also to to go back on your point adam about like um you were talking about like macquarie being like oh he doesn't go to that meeting about insurance having read a bunch about uh, the hong kong film industry in the 70s 80s and 90s um i think the the insurance just didn't exist um <laughs> yeah yeah i'm not sure oh it's there different... was any insurance <laughs> it was very it's ivan drago more... if he dies he dies <laughs> yeah it's, it's much more akin to the u.s silent industry mm, where dw okay. griffith would start the morning by saying i'll give ten dollars to any man who's willing to die on camera and you just round people up and you know it was just unregulated and crazy and just whatever <laughs> happened happened and I do feel like, you know, Hollywood hasn't been that in a long time or supposed is not supposed to be that occasionally, obviously it is still, but right. Um, I think that, you know, that when you see those eras of filmmaking, when you see this era of Hong Kong filmmaking, part of what's remarkable is in going back and looking at it is they'd never, ever be able to do it again. You'll never, ever get to have that film industry again. It's, it's of a moment and I'm, I love that we have it on film, but holy shit, you all were crazy. Interestingly, (laughs) interestingly, it's kind of a matter of respect because I was just thinking about how, you know, as we are having more issues now, it's because of this deregulation that's happening because of a new, you know, uh, a new set of, of uh, production. Um, you know, that streamers feel like they don't want to admit that they're the same old thing. So you have all these, you're constantly retrofitting rules and whatnot. um, And they don't want to pay anybody. So you get people who've never done things before. So they have, they don't really have a respect. And here, you know, because the the incident on Rust just happened and that's a, that's a Netflix production. Like it's a very, it's it's something everybody's mind when you're thinking about this stuff, you can't think about stunts and stunt filmmaking right now and not think about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you when you look at you know the the Jackie Chan school, uh, these guys that work on mission, like um, you know the people that really respect the process and the craft of it, and that take the time to work through, like you just said, to build a scene, to build a fight scene, and to just make sure that every single part of it, like yeah, you're wanting it to seem spontaneous, obviously. But it can't be. You can't have a spontaneous fight. Right. Uh, and yeah, like I, I think these companies just need to be called out that you know they're not. They have no respect for the process, and that it's actually hurting and killing people. Um, and it is. And it is their fault. It is. Yeah. You know, they want to lay it at the feet of the most junior member on the crew because oh well, I would never like she it was her first gig and you know blah blah blah. But it's like no no no. Like somebody hired her, somebody made that decision, and they made that decision because of money. And yeah. what you're saying is that this person's life wasn't worth uh, the the amount of making sure this is done right and properly. Yeah, like people you need, need to. Hong Kong, you need proper craftspeople in these roles because, yeah. like, yeah, like like you were saying, like with the with the stunts and the fight choreography, you know, these these are proper craftspeople. They know what they're doing they know how to to make things safe and they also know how to make things look good on camera because like you know movie martial arts isn't the same as real martial arts you watch like a martial arts tournament it's right. not it's not the same they you know like because a lot of like kind of realistic uh, martial arts realistic fighting doesn't necessarily look flashy or good on camera 
you know so they know what yeah, they're yeah. doing and you're gonna let these people who are at the top of their game like have these roles they're the, you know. the the idea that no one died on in, during the shooting of fury road with like how much of that was practical the insane I, the, shit the idea that no one died the idea that not everyone died shooting the polecat sequence in fury road right is remarkable they, much less one person i all of you should be dead none of that is rational or possible um no but yeah that's 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 what happens when you spend five or six years thinking about something and planning something and obsessing over something in order yeah. to pull it off in the real world yeah yeah <laughs> well, well, these movies i thank you so much for for letting me i I do not rewatch Jackie Chan's films enough. I went through a mania. I went through a period where I was so crazy about him and I ingested everything. And I don't watch his films very often anymore. I, when I show my kids, when I introduce them to one, I will, but it's a very good excuse to get up on a Saturday and, and break one out and, and really just remember why he is one of the greatest movie stars. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I love my rewatch of it as well. I uh, kind of this the, the same, I suppose, because um, with the horror podcast, I got more into horror and stuff like that. So I, I watch a lot of uh, that, and uh, I I loved his movies as a kid, and and I've in recent years I haven't gone back and rewatched his movies um as much as as I did like uh, particularly in my teens, um and it was ah uh, yeah. So it was um it was great to have you on the show, and it was it was great to talk about this movie, and and yeah, I think I, I should um start rewatching some some more Jackie Chan because it really it really brought up that kind of childhood love of Jackie Chan um uh, for me so th this was a this a real fun one for me too um and uh, but it, it yeah. is like a Saturday morning cartoon almost yeah. like I like that you're waking up on Saturdays and throwing it in like that makes me think like oh yeah I should make these like Saturday morning viewings for sure for sure you should watch the other yeah. stories yeah watch the other police stories um in in the same way that because <laughs> you'll have a lot of fun with them but um before we kind of wrap this up um do either of you guys have anything to to promote um you know? well drew certainly does yes yes i because do your thing will be out when this episode is out it will already be out in the, the atmosphere i love that i love that finally it's i'm in a place where i can say all you gotta do uh, open up Netflix and look for a show called V-O-I-R uh, produced by David Fincher and David Pryor. It is a, a six-part series of deep dive film essays just about the love of cinema. Um, I think we've all been missing the movies and going to the movies for the last couple of years. Uh, it was weird during the pandemic. I have not gone more than six days in my life since I was seven years old without being in a movie theater. And then to go 18 months without being in one it, it disconnected something in me it was really yeah. weird so i love that now uh they're finally putting this out uh it is something that i'm really proud of i have one of the episodes i star in it i wrote it i produced it uh david Pryor directed it and i uh i hope you guys watch because if you do we will get to make more and they'll be great um also, please read my newsletters. Uh, I am at drewmcweeny.substack.com. That is my newsletter, Formerly Dangerous, which is current movie reviews. You can read me weeping about the new Ghostbusters movie if you'd like, <laughs> uh, or just various pop culture things that are happening. I write about games. I write about books. I write about television as well. Um, and then I also publish the last 80s newsletter.substack.com, 
which is the last 80s newsletter you'll ever need. I am currently reviewing every single film released in America in the 1980s. Um, and I started at the beginning. I am chronologically up to June 1980 right now. Uh, later today, I'm publishing my piece on the Blues Brothers. So please uh, sign up for that one as well. Um, and that's it right now. Excellent. Adam? Yeah. Uh, so if you like a Ghost Weights, uh, we now have a merch store. You can go to bonfire.com slash a-ghost-weights. Uh, there's a bunch of shirts. There's some coffee mugs. And then we're also going to be doing like limited edition runs of certain designs that some uh, some artists have contributed. Um, and yeah, it's just... We've we've been really overwhelmed by the response to the film. I don't, you know, like uh, Letterboxd has their ongoing top twenty-five horror films of the year, and we're number twelve on it. Um, and as a friend said the other night, "Holy crap, there's real movies on this list." Uh, <laughs> we've, we've we've been really um, really overwhelmed by the response, and just it's it's finally winding down uh there's no more ghost weights events on the calendar as of right now um and so just kind of it was like a thing that we wanted to do of like well people really love this so let's give you know let's let's put this out there and give them a way to share you know sharing it more and uh if they want to for anyone uh yeah so if you if you want any of that stuff uh like i said bonfire.com slash a dash ghost dash weights uh mcleod and i are on twitter and instagram uh i think and yeah uh i don't know just thanks guys like the last couple years it's weird scott like you've become like oh, i talk to you more than i talk to my father uh, <laughs> um but but about I, the exact same things that's what yeah crazy. yeah yeah uh, he also doesn't want me to talk about quantum solace. Um, <laughs> no, like I, I realized the other night that um, I am the, I, I finally am the person I always wanted to be. And existentially, that's a really, really awesome thing um, to, 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 to realize and to, to feel. And you guys have really been a part of it. Um, so I really, I don't know. I get a little emotional thinking about it, but oh, I just want amazing. to thank you all very much. That's amazing. Thank you. For, thank you very much, Adam. And, and I, I we'll, we'll talk more about that off air. It really kind of hit me hard. Uh, I kind of don't know how to respond to that. Um, I kind of, I'm like, um, I suppose I have to wrap up the show. Um, you know, like hey, we got it in under thing, two hours. Review and subscribe. You know, like um, it seems weird to promote the show now. Uh, check us out on Twitter at Nineties Action. I I don't know. Um, thanks for listening, guys, <laughs> and uh, tune in next time where we'll be talking about another Jackie Chan movie, Mister Nice Guy. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Nice.